The Healthy Golf Podcast, episode 43 with Coach Kevin Duffy. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for joining. But if you're a regular listener, thanks for coming back. And this week, we have Coach Kevin Duffy. Kevin is a top 50 Golf Digest golf fitness trainer, and he works out of the greater Boston area. And I know that he's also working out of Nashua Tuck Country Club as well, which is in... Concord, Concord and it's Concord. pronounced Nashotic. I just learned. Oh gosh, <laughs> I, 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 it's a, uh, it's a tough one if you're reading it versus uh, you're writing it or if you're speaking it. Yeah. So I, you uh, get no negative points for that. All right, that's fine. That's fair. Um, but Kevin, why don't you uh, just go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got into kind of working and training with golfers. Yeah, so I've been um, coaching since I uh, so it's about I'm going on my tenth, going on my eleventh year of coaching, uh, and the last five or so have been um, very specifically golf and uh, a little bit more on the broad side, uh, other rotational sports as, such as uh, lacrosse and hockey. But been really into the golf uh, coaching world for the last five, and it just started to explode at a time. Uh, when I was really uh, coming of a coaching age in which I was really starting to learn a lot of how to implement what I know, what I see. And so it started to grow. And I've I've had some clients who have been with me since I've started that golf journey that are, uh, you know, now playing at higher levels, whether it's, you know, college or, you know, people, you know, making the mass am run or club championship. So it's, it started to really click that what we were doing was working and then just kept expanding, kept expanding. And then the notoriety of the golf digest article always is helpful. And, uh, you know, going to do some mentorships with Jason glass and the TPI team and just keep, uh, keep adding on to the knowledge base and keep helping, uh, more golfers, play more golf is uh, always beneficial for everybody. Awesome. And you, you play golf, right, Kevin? Yeah. So I, I always owned a set of clubs. Like I, I use that very loosely. Um, but not until I took my first lesson, did I start to care? Like, so I owned clubs, I hit a ball, I chased it around, but I was like a 200 pound linebacker trying to play with you know those set that you get, like if you walk into Dick's and you just open up the box, like that's what you had. I was a 200-pound linebacker trying to play with regular clubs, so hence why I didn't play a lot. And um, now I'm on my probably my fourth, fifth year of, of caring, and my handicap is slowly going down, and my frustration of not being able to always lower the score is, is slowly going up. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fully entrenched in the game. Awesome. Um, I know Kevin and I were talking a little bit and we decided that we wanted to talk about speed training over speed training because it's always a hot topic, especially now. Again, most most professionals are trying to gain more and more speed and what they can do uh, to better improve their game. Um, but I know that 
if you are a longtime listener of this, you've probably heard it before, but speed training is not the only thing. And there are a lot of prerequisites that you should hit before uh, doing overspeed training and speed training. Um, so I figured, why don't we just go right into maybe talking about what some of those prereqs are, Kev, especially from your viewpoint, and we can go further into any any one of those kinds of things. Yeah, I think I think prerequisites is like the one of the perfect ways to put it. it it's it's a term that like prerequisite, like hey, in order to drive a car, you need to do a couple of you know driving hours. In order to do a sport, you don't necessarily have to do that. Now, nor do we want you. Like, we're not going to say, hey, if you don't play high school golf, you can't go play later on in life. We don't want to say that. But in order to increase your club head speed, if you do nothing else other than swing a club, you can open yourself up to some injuries. Now, when you really dive into the fact that a lot of people don't train, not like whatsoever, maybe you go out on a run or walk your dog or whatever. But, you know, in New England, there is a ebb and flow of going from almost zero to 100. And if you go to zero from not playing golf to 100, which would be, you know, swinging your shoes off, mostly righty golfers swinging righty, 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 it only is going to compound those overuse injuries. And this time of year, I'm usually either having a conversation with one to 20 of my clients or one to two to three podcasts on the similar subject of saying, hey, man, it is the spring. You are itching to get back out. Golf is on TV. And I do want you to train. And I'm not saying, hey, never use a speed stick or any over these, uh, you know, rip stick or stack training or any of these over speed training devices. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, do some things that's going to help you out so that when you do the overspeed training, you aren't going to get injured. Um, at the end of my programming, you will see overspeeds training. Whatever device, you know, either I have my hands on right now at my gym, I have uh, two sets of speed sticks. I have a couple of set of the uh, rip stick because it's very interchangeable. And so I, I have plenty of different devices that I use. But you're definitely going to go through the processes and the checks and balance to get there. And everybody who gets there, uh, I mean, I got to figure out how to say, hey, we're going to change your club distance by one to two. Like put that in a guarantee, but also like disclaimer, if you hit the center of the club face. So (laughs) build in the disclaimers. But everybody who's going through my program right now, I would say. I have uh, 20, 30 clients, uh, you know, give or take, depending on how many uh, high school kids are in. But uh, everybody is coming up to super speed training of some sport um, or some sort. And I have one guy right now who uh, we had to fast forward that process because he goes to uh, Kiowa, South Carolina, Kiowa. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, we were chasing uh 118 was the number we were chasing we started at 112 we got to 114 in uh about month and a half two months two months time and he's got a completely different set of options going into every single green now so we use it we just earn it we we build onto it right the the main thing that people need to know and um, 
I've talked about this before, but there are two things that I always think about that are out of our control, right? The actual clubs, if you're a, uh, you know, swinging really fast, you're going to need special, you know, specific kind of shafts to make sure that your clubs can handle the, those kinds of speeds. Yep. And the other main thing is just technical efficiency, right? Like what's your attack angle? Are you hitting the ball in the center of the face or is it on the toe more and more of the heel, right? Is that consistent? Those are all things that are going to play a big role in how far you can hit the ball, no yep. matter how fast you're swinging it. Um, all that's going to matter. But what matters most for us again is do you have that prerequisite mobility and strength and power that can translate to doing overspeed training because you can get a real quick fix from overspeed tra training, which I think is the um, real sexy thing about it. You can test yourself before, do 15 minutes of work, test yourself again, and you're like, wow, I gained five miles an hour, which is great. It's very short-lived. It's kind of like getting a massage almost like, oh man, this is, this felt, I feel better now. It's like, yeah, because someone just rubbed on you for an hour, right? Yeah. But the mobility and the strengthening and the power are all super important and can actually help you swing faster, which I'm sure that you get into with, with all of your clients. Yeah. Speed cells for sure. Um, speed, speed cells, and I'm going to get you there. But before I get you there, uh, the biggest issue I generally see, um, for the number one of my number one limiting factors is obviously each client's going to have different things. And I could say it depends all day long, but we won't do that because we only have, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. We don't want to spend all day on it. But generally what I see a lot of is a lack of stability in the lower half of their body. So if you can't balance, you know, the, the TPI test, if you can't, I don't need you to be a 15 second eyes closed, you know, statue. But if you can't do, let's say, even five seconds of balancing on one leg with your eyes closed, dude, if I started you on speed sticks, that would just be like the most negligent like decision I could make on your behalf. And sure, like if you had some, you know, if you gave me some crazy scenario in which it was like, hey, I only have one week. And if I don't hit this club head speed, I'm going to like lose my sponsorship of some sort i'd be like okay man here here we go but other than that like you have to earn it so that it kind of builds up um to what you're going for so that you don't just you know go zero to hero and get hurt yeah i think just from my experience as a physical therapist i would have people that would come in i worked in a uh like a what's it called right now? Like an urgent care yep. kind of place where we were attached with the orthodox and like PAs. And so people will come in with like an acute ankle sprain or acute low back pain or neck pain or something like that. And if they thought it was appropriate, they would send them up to us and we'd have like walk-in spots and we would take care of them. The worst was though, people would come in and they go, Hey, I have this ankle pain. I'm going to Italy in five days. And we're going to be like hiking the Alps and all this stuff and walking around Rome and everything. And I go, well, how long have you had this? And it's like, well, I've had it for like a month. I was just waiting to see if it would get better. Like, what? I can't do anything for you in four days. Yeah. So here's some those, tapes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to take some time. Do you kind of go along the lines of, um, if anyone, I know this is common, more common in the fitness sphere for Kevin and I, but you know, a lot of people say you got to earn the right to rotate. Do you, do you kind of go along that, uh, yeah, kind of mantra? 
I stole that directly from Jason Glass and I went to his mentorship. So yes, yes, I, I, I completely subscribe. Um, the, com the most common place that I use that sentence um, weekly, probably I say, I wouldn't say daily at this point, I have a lot of repeat customers, but the most common place I have that is when people wanna dive right into the med balls. And on my Instagram, I put up one of my, you know, you know, the shiny, shiny toy, right? So I sh put up one of my Instagram ads or um, videos where I did a half kneeling throw, a split stance throw, standing throw, and then I did a huge jump cut and throw. Everybody wants to skip all the other stuff and go straight to the jump cut and throw because that is a ton of fun and your output and you, the way you feel when you throw that ball, it's awesome. However, if you if I can't have you do a half kneel throw without your knee moving on every single rotation, you haven't earned the right to rotate. So the pull-off press progressions, the anti-rotation pieces that go into that workout that get you to do that really cool med ball throw that, you know, you're going to see all the coaches on Instagram or you're going to see the Colin Morcaro who just won, you know, the guys over in uh, LA, Urban Golf Performance, started posting some of his stuff, as they should. He's a beast. They just won. But there's a reason Colin got there, and it wasn't by them skipping the necessary steps, right? Those guys are smart coaches. He had smart coaches at UCLA – or, sorry, at Cal. And, you know, there's a, a certain amount of training age that goes into it. Um, not to say, like, you need to make, like, these huge year-long training progressions, but, like, Give me six weeks, four weeks, um, and I can guarantee some changes. There's a reason that I don't really make myself uh, readily available for one-off appointments. Like you can get it, but it's the most expensive thing I offer. Um, you you're going to do significantly better, and I can promise results after you know, let's say ten to twenty training sessions. I can promise results by that point. But if it's you know, somebody walking in off the street with a rolled ankle about to go hike uh, the Alps as a good, as an analogy, like that's what it's like when you walk in and you're like, Hey, I'm going to Myrtle beach in six days. I'm like, dude, what have you been doing? He's like, well, nothing. I'm like, I was going to do super speed. I'm like, okay. Come when you get back, I'm going to send you to the Cairo and then you're going to come see me and then we're going to work again. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much you can do in six days and I'm sure you can do, whatever you can to help his situation. But at the end of the day, it's almost impossible to make that change that he really wants to make in a short amount of time. It's, it's not going to happen. Um, it's, it's just not the body Wish takes too could. long to adapt. Yeah. Now, when it comes to your typical things, like do you look or have any kind of like benchmarks in terms of um, strength in terms of specific lifts or any kinds of uh, different tests that you may do with someone before you start with overspeed training, or do you kind of dabble in it a little bit? I know yeah. again, it could depend, but. Um, there's a couple of benchmarks I want to hit. Um, everybody's program is going to be a little bit different. So I don't necessarily have like, Oh, you need to jump a certain amount of inches or, you know, box jump a certain height. I don't have that because everybody's going to be a little different. And um, I'm able to, at this point in time, um, you know, where it's just uh, myself coaching and assistant coach will be be coming down the pipeline as soon as the, the COVID restrictions get lifted. But um, right now, I would say the system is going to be implemented a little bit different per person. 
but there's a couple of exercises I need to see. Um, them being able to, depending on body weight, have a suitcase walk where they're able to hold posture for a certain distance, about 20, 30 yards each hand um, is one of my prerequisites. The half kneeling paw off rotations, as well as the med ball throw. Um, if they're, if they haven't progressed with me to ballistic exercises, AKA throwing or plyometric, um, you know, 90 degree broad jumps or box jumps in general, if they haven't progressed to some of those things, there's, there's a lower chance that I'm going to, you know, skip some of those steps and go to speed stick training. Uh, however, if they have a training age that allows them to go there, right. We have kids that are com committed to go play, you know, uh, division one golf at Rutgers that kid's has been training with me for three years. He's can get to those progressions quicker than someone who has a training age of, let's say, you know, maybe one to two years before me, you know, now they decided to get golf specific. And now they see me, you know, we're still teaching them deadlift. We don't go from, Hey, here's a hip hinge to, Hey, hit one ten club head speed, you know? So there's, um, those, but I'd say the plyometric, if you're not jumping or throwing with me yet, you're generally not going to be doing any overspeed training yet. Um, but I want to get you there. And, you know, it's, I don't know where, uh, about the weather where you are right now, but it is cold, but I can see, I can see grass. So, so balls will be in the air shortly. So super, super speed sticks and rip sticks and uh stacked and all the others will 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 be in the hands of my clients very very soon yep it's definitely the time i know like as i look out my window i can't see any grass but i think that's just because the sun doesn't hit that area too much but i do <laughs> see other areas of grass um but yeah it's it's time to start getting faster and becoming really powerful before the season starts if if you've been training for a while again you know, if you're just starting and you're ready to do something, it's probably not the best place to to start with. Yeah. Can you go into um, just for anyone who might be listening and doesn't know, like what the difference between um, what well, you didn't say, but like biological age versus training age for people if they're they're not too sure what that is? Yeah. So uh, to give kind of a general summary, uh, a training age means years spent in the gym. Now, years spent in the gym playing a sport versus lifting or what. Uh, a coach will use as a guide to figure out what type of progressions they should be running you through. You know, if you're an 18 year old uh, male or female and you've been playing sports for quite some time, your progressions are going to be quicker than, you know, the uh, let's say, you know, I would say eighth and ninth grade are about the youngest uh, athletes I currently work with in my past. I have worked with younger athletes, but I, um, uh, I find more benefit uh, working with an older clientele. Even, you know, most of my clients are older rather than on the younger side. I've, I have majority of my clients are, are older golfers. Um, but for a training age standpoint, if your training age is eight, if you're 18 and you have not trained before, but you have a ninth grader who has been training since he was, you know, in the weight room doing AAU sports since he was like 11, 12 years old, he's got a significant, um, head start on you. I would say that in my gym currently, I have a ninth grader who's got a training age that is five years. And I've got a senior who's training senior in senior in high school going into college, who's got a training age of two years. And their program of the of the freshman is is more advanced um, than the senior. 
the senior is, is making some really fast progression. So they're going to be on the same, same wavelength very, very soon. They're, uh, they both uh, challenge each other. They're, they're similar builds, and uh, they both are very competitive, even though it's completely different sports, hockey and, and golf. But they, uh, they bang some weight around, and they swing the stick. Uh, <laughs> the hockey player does some of the off-speed training as well because uh, he has had a history of overuse injury on his uh, shot side, and he's a lefty shot. But he you know, has some um, some golf aspirations, so we have him swing the speed stick righty as his non-dominant side to try to level out those repetitions because uh, I'm not going to go tell him to, to shoot less. Uh, so that's going to that's gonna keep keep happening for him. Yeah. I mean, what, where, what kind of injuries do you do end up seeing for people who do end up like, what are your common injuries that you'll see from people overdoing? Like, yeah. So, so people will come to me with, uh, some of the ankle, the lead leg ankle tendonitis. Um, and I'm great to have, you know, multiple different, uh, physical therapist in my area that I refer to. Uh, tendonitis is a is a tricky one. It's a little bit outside of my my wheelhouse, so I refer out. Uh, I think more coaches need to do a better job of referring to a, a strong team rather than try to you know muddle the way through it. Um, so tendonitis of the elbow and the ankle, I see a good amount, but the most common is a lack of core function, which will, will which will really fire up that low back, uh, especially on the uh i don't i don't really can't can't say more backswing than through but um it's definitely low back as my my major and then i see the elbow and the um the ankle tendonitis as as the most common overuse injuries but as a just an overall injury uh purpose uh i would say that a c posture rounded shoulders and you know very desperate especially in the the homework place that we're all in now, um, except for us that are in the gym. Uh, I, I'm battling the desk. It's me versus the desk is the most common enemy, but the overuse ones would be the tendonitis and the low back. Um, but it's, it's definitely, I battle, I'm an uphill battle against the, the desk posture, uh, all day, every day. Yeah. What, um, what are some of the things that you do to combat that? I, I know off the top of my head, what, what that would be, but yeah. go ahead and kind of, give some people some ideas of those if they are at home working at a desk for a while or just in general sitting for work. Yeah. I think, I think that the, the number one thing that people need to do is just set themselves up for success. Like your desk should be, you should have a standing desk. If you are at your computer for X amount of times, a couple of things should be happening. Your screen should be higher. So you're not, your, your neck is not arched low. You should be at a standing desk. Um, myself, I need blue light glasses because my eyes get significant amount of strain and I don't want to be blind. Um, so I'm wearing blue light glasses, you know, most of the time they're, they're right here. Um, I, I, I think that from the standpoint of like, Hey, if you have a phone meeting, can you take it while you walk around your house is going to be a significant improvement from your quality of life of, Hey, my hip flexors are always tight. And my next question is, are you always sitting? And the answer is usually yes. So don't sit all the time. Might sound like an overly simplified answer, but it is, it's kind of an overly simple solution. Your desk should be, uh, at some point in time, you should be standing. 
at some point in time, your eyes shouldn't be, you know, looking straight down. Uh, and if you, if you have the access to it in your gym or, or something, I know for my, my own father, he's got a TheraBand wrapped around his chair and he just drapes it over there. And in between, he just does some reps to make sure his shoulders are staying back because over the years of him working, you know, he has started to round forward. And now that my dad walks around and looks significantly different than he did in the past. And it's just his standing passive posture has improved. And, you know, actually I have an upcoming post where I'm going to post a guy who, who just was unaware that he was in C posture. So he just didn't know any better and it's not his fault, but, the man that walked in four weeks ago and the man that walks around now, he's getting compliments and he, he thinks it's like, you know, we've only been working together for four weeks. Like you didn't lose like 20 pounds, man. You just stood upright. Like that's, you're just, you just are carrying yourself better. And then we took a, his, this was his second lesson and his golf posture is significantly improved. It's much closer to a neutral spine than the significant C curve that he was in before. And, and, um, uh, the those pull pull exercises such as you know any pull-up progression whether it's a trx uh underhand band row or farmer's walks uh those are the most common prescribed exercises for me i have this one exercise that's in pretty much every program i write it's just a posture band row and your goal is to take your hands about a foot apart pull that band to your sternum, hold it for, you know, three second contraction, squeezing your shoulder blades and let it in slowly. And they're like, how many reps? And I, I don't care if they do 20 or 40 of them, just you need to get them in. And it's going to be in almost every single one of their programs. They're like, when are we going to progress this? I'm like, well, we are doing other things like pull-ups and rows and, but that band row just, that's going to stay there. That's a staple. I work everything else around that one. So um, those, that's, that's kind of my, starting point there you go yeah i mean as a physical therapist who's been practicing for like seven and a half years now at this point it's so many people will come in and they say well i think my posture is what's causing my pain or posture is this posture is that like it could very well be but we know that posture isn't directly correlated to that the problem is is that most people sit when they get up in the morning they have breakfast they sit in the car whatever vehicle they get to to work and they're sitting at work they don't ever change they go home and they sit some more. And that's, you know, when you're spending 16 hours out of your day in one position for the most part, that's where problems start to arise. Yep. So like Kevin was saying, you know, can you, can you take that phone meeting and walk around? Can you get a standing desk and change your position? I always tell people to set a timer on their phone if they're a desk worker and to like every 15 to 30 minutes if they can, and just stand up for five minutes, not even, even if it's three, or if, like you said, if they have a, a TheraBand and they can do some sort of row or pull aparts or work on anything yep. along that backside, along their upper back, mid back to just like combat that kind of forward rounded posture, it's going to be huge. And it's going to be so helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, the exercises that are dominant in the golf swing are, are dominant in your life as well. So it's an easy double dip. So, you know, for example, a deadlift pattern, whether it's kettlebells, dumbbells, barbell, hex bar, whatever, whatever piece of, uh, piece of equipment we choose. If I teach you how to hip hinge 
not only am I going to make you a better golfer, I'm going to make you a more comfortable and, and confident human because you're going to, you know, your chest is, is upright, your shoulders are back, you are able to, you know, bend at your knees and your hips to pick up, you know, whether it's your child or a box on the ground, more so than just rounding your shoulders to either get to that object to pick it up or like we're, you know, the reason we're on this podcast to get to your golf ball. So I don't want you to round your chest to the ball and I don't want you to round your shoulders to your ball. I would like you to pull your hips back a little bit. So uh, I think that, you know, there's enough really good examples on tour, but uh, one of my favorite examples from a driver setup standpoint is Rory McIlroy because he's, he's quite tall in his, his posture, but you can see his hips are back and you can easily pull the picture up right one next to the other. Here's him deadlifting. Here's his, uh, here's his driver setup. They look quite similar and we can just uh, expand upon those. So, you know, some of the, the Kings and the, of the workout world double dip from, from golf and, and life and, or just, you're a athlete who happens to play golf. And if I train you in that manner, you're, you're going to benefit. So that's, that's the, that's the mentality we go through. Yeah. I think that's one of the best things about training and and doing that is that it always transcends whatever really sport you're playing for or anything. It's, it's always about, you know, being healthier in life and doing those things that you want to do. Like you said, if you want to pick up your kid or grandkid or, you got to pick up some boxes. All those things matter just as much as hitting the golf ball does. Um, so you're going to be ready either way. So it's a great, great, great thing to be doing. Yeah, it's a good good way to double dip. I mean, people come to me for training, and they may stay for plenty of other reasons. They may stay because, you know, their T-shirt fits better, or they may stay because they have less pain, or they may stay because they have higher energy, uh, you know, you have guys or girls that come to me for different reasons and stay for a completely different set of reasons. It's, you know, training is a tool that gets you to whatever you want to do. It's not the, um, you know, some, some coaches think you just train to train and, you know, I train for my people to be able to play pain-free golf is why I got started. And they happen to perform better as a result of that. And so we can keep building it up. Like one guy came to me, couldn't play nine holes without, pain and now he you know went on to the next year wanting to play 36 whole tournaments and now this year he has his eyes set on what's the is a net or the gross division gross division uh championship so we went from pain-free golf two years later he's got his eyes on trying to play you know and, and win or place in his local tournament so those are the he came to play pain-free golf and he left, you know, three years later or he's sorry, he's still with me, but three years later and he's got a completely different set of goals. So, you know, nice. there's always crossover. That's awesome. I know one thing we wanted to talk about was like, if we've, I'm sure we preached enough that it's important to train in addition to doing overspeed training. But if someone is going to come to you and they're going to say like, Hey, I don't have the time to train. I just have the time to do overspeed training besides saying you should train what else what else do you say to that person yeah so i i, I kind of addressed this uh on, on on my instagram the other day and of to to some mixed reviews but uh i mean i put a clickbait headlight on it on purpose I'm, i was like oh look made you do it um but the the 
the information I would give somebody there is if like, hey man, you know, I'm I'm not gonna come in to train. And I've had that conversation plenty. Hey, I'm not gonna come in and train. Can you give me a routine so my back feels better when I go play? Yeah, no problem. But if someone came to me and said that, I would tell them to do the opposite side. Um essentially we, you know, it's a righty, righty dominant game. So uh righty dominant game with a right-handed person who also carries their kid on their right side essentially has done the equivalent of a hundred bicep curls on their right arm and has done zero on their left so if i have the opportunity to educate them on super speed stick or rip stick or whatever else they're using i would say uh swing lefty uh, and swing lefty hard. So, uh, I, uh, I prescribe an uneven rep count anyway for my, you know, right hand dominant or left hand dominant, uh, clients because you are playing some of that, you know, catch up type, type mentality. Um, because they're so right hand dominant. It's not uncommon for somebody to hit a hundred balls five days in a row. That's five, 500 reps plus whatever, plus whatever um, practice swings you're taking, plus whatever course swings you're taking. So we're talking over, you know, close to somewhere between 500 and 1,000 right-handed swings every week. That's a lot of overuse or, or a lot of use in general. And if you have done nothing to, for training or making you more robust, you're likely to break down. But if I was going to tell that person anything, I'd be like, hey, man, or, you know, get some lefty reps in and I don't care if you're, you know, you're playing putt putt lefty or something, do something lefty. So your body is trying to train itself or, or become more robust on that side of your body. And also as a factor of that, uh, you know, if your left handed club head speed goes up, your right handed club head speed goes up. So when I tell them that now they'll buy in, right? If you're, if you're uh, a non-dominant, swing speed is to increase your uh, dominant side will increase uh, more than likely and you will decrease the unevenness and your likelihood for injury those are enough good reasons alone like if someone still wants to argue on you know just swinging right there on your own you're you're on your own man you're an adult have at it you know just don't quote me when you get hurt okay and if you do get hurt i will refer you to my guy who will hopefully set you right What's, um, just out of curiosity, what's your typical like rep ranges that you're doing for like overspeed training? Uh, from a general standpoint, it's usually somewhere in the eight to 15 range or in some more of an extreme case, it's usually a five to 15, um, dominant side. But when I say 15, people usually think like 15 rep scheme, like one, two, three, four, five, it's more one, two. So I'm, I'm pretty steady with them. You know, if it's a med ball work, I'll, I'll let them, you know, get your heart rate up and go, you know, go play at that point, you know, be an athlete, feel yourself in space. But, but generally it's somewhere in the eight, uh, dominant swings, uh, to 15 non-dominant and that rep scheme can really alter depending on the person. But if you told me to throw, you know, throw you one or two options there, I'd say five to 15 or, um, What's the other one? I, I've used, I've done a uh, eight to four split, but you know, I would say anywhere from eight to 15, five to 15 or 
eight to four, 50, 50 split. Um, are those total swings or, uh, spread out over a few sets? Uh, or sorry, all in one set. So it'll be, if they have three rounds, it would be like three rounds of, uh, 15 to five. Gotcha. So for example, uh, pull off press rotation is where I program that rep scheme a lot. So pull off press and rotate to your non-dominant side, 15, and then to your dominant side, five. Uh, and then uh, as far as carries go, I generally won't give an uneven rep scheme. Yeah. Um, but from a rotational standpoint, I will. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, but yeah, those are, I think I gave three numbers options there. But yeah. You say no, five, cool. five and 15 would be one of my most commonly chosen rep schemes. Awesome. Well, Kev, I want to be uh, cognizant of, of the time here and thank you so much for coming on. But before we go, um, one, is there any last words of advice in terms of anyone who's looking to train or with overspeed training, just kind of something that you want to leave with the people? Yeah. So I'll leave this one for my, my juniors. I'll leave this one for the, the moms or dads coaching their son or daughter on the range. Here's my word of advice. Don't tell them to slow down and always let them swing hard. I would say that's my, that would be one of my takeaways. Um, let them swing hard at it uh, and let the coach down the line teach them how to put it straight. Uh, let them go at it hard. And if you have a kid who shows ambidextrous skills, maybe in one sport versus the other, allow them to explore that. For example, you know, if you're a right-handed thrower and you're a left-handed batter, that that uh, will open up a lot of opportunities for you to develop a lot more power than your counterparts who are, are super right-side dominant or left-side dominant. Um, and there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of uh, examples of that in golf, for example, like a left-handed shot in hockey who's a right-handed golfer that, that – it if you took one person, one person next to that guy who's done both or that girl has done both is, is got a higher swing, uh, potential, uh, higher club head potential. So I'll leave them with that and, um, train, train early, train early. Yeah, no, those are, those are great, great tips. Um, I have a few fun questions here at the end. Yep. So what's your, what's the best course that you've ever played? Caledonia in Hilton Head, South or not Hilton Head, uh, in Myrtle Beach, South uh, South Carolina. Yeah, yes. Caledonia. That's a top one hundred. Uh, nice. The grass was so nice that you could eat. You could probably have a meal off the fairway. Um, the club I'm at right now is stunning. The grounds crew there keeps it. I've never seen a, a golf course that doesn't go through like ebbs and, and flows. Like it's just perfect all the time. The shot is pretty beautiful, and then. Uh, and then I've got my eye on some golf courses in the Cape that I want to get to, but my number one I've played myself is Caledonia. That was unbelievable. Awesome. All right. Second question here. You have a risky approach shot into the green here. Are you going for it or are you laying up? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a strength coach and it's bad <laughs> for my brand if I lay up. So Perfect. even if I'm going to, I have already told all my clients, like I'm playing bomb and gouge golf for two reasons. One I enjoy it. And two, it's good for business. I'm not going to be laying up anytime ever. If it's like, I don't care if it's a yardage that's stupid to go for, like 
I'm probably still doing it. I hope there's not water in front. Like I can deal with sand, but yeah. And then the last one is you're going to go out for a round who is in your dream foursome. Uh, you know what? Actually, somebody asked me this question. I gave a super lame answer last time. I answered with like a bunch of football players. I think I said like Brady and somebody else, but I, I would, I'd like to go out for the round of like, I don't know. Somebody would give me some insight into different matters. So like if you could get like a, um, like Mark Cuban would be a, a good round. I feel like I could really benefit from picking his brain and, and that would be fun. Um, and then maybe like a comedian, um, and Joe Rogan, that'd be fun. I, I, I gave a, a lame answer to that question like a year or two ago. I think I said Gronk and Edelman, but that, that wouldn't really. So now I'm going Cuban, maybe like Bill Burr and Joe Rogan and myself. Nice. Like that would be, that would be pretty, that'd pretty, be pretty awesome. group. Yeah. That'd be pretty good. Kev, if anyone wants to work with you, has questions for you, wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so my uh, I'm redoing my website right now. Uh, so Coach Kevin Duffy will be redone very shortly. But right now I'm on Instagram at Coach Kevin Duffy. And then my email um, is um, CoachKevinDuffy at gmail.com. So they're kind of all keeping it all similar, all under one roof. So we uh, gives me less chance to mess it up. Awesome. Kev, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to do this today. Joe, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it. It's always uh, good to talk shop. That's the end of this week's episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. I hope that the conversation with Kevin helped illuminate a little bit more insight into overspeed training and the facets that surround overspeed training. And whether that's for yourself, your child, or even your grandchild, hopefully now that you have some more knowledge and be better prepared for when you are ready or if you are currently doing overspeed training. Please make sure that you go ahead and give Coach Kevin a follow on Instagram. If you have any questions or you would like to work with Kevin, please feel free to use those social media handles or reach out to him via email and he will be directly in contact with you. As I had mentioned on last week's podcast, I have put together a checklist for golfers for in-round nutrition and hydration. So please go ahead and check that out. You can download that via the link in the show notes. If you do not have access to the show notes for whatever reason, please feel free to send me an email at joe, J-O-E, at puredrivephysio.com. That's P-U-R-E-D-R-I-V-E-P-H-Y-S-I-O.com. And I will make sure that I send you that link so you can download that checklist so you can have an unfair advantage out on the golf course. As always, I am forever grateful for you taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode and download and continue to listen week in and week out. I am truly appreciative of you doing that. But let's go ahead and wrap this episode up officially at this point. Keep working hard. Keep striving for excellence because when you feel great, you golf great.